Welcome to the Healthcare Compliance Pad. My name is Susan Freed. I'm a healthcare attorney and your host. I understand how difficult compliance can be, especially for small providers, where oftentimes the compliance officer wears multiple hats. Every day, I work with compliance professionals, probably a lot like you, who are dealing with increasingly complex issues and oftentimes doing it with less resources. That's why we created this podcast. Each week, I'll share a simple, actionable tip designed to elevate compliance within your organization and hopefully make your job a little bit easier. Whether you're new to compliance or just looking for some new ideas, this podcast was created with you in mind. What is one thing that can make or break the success of your compliance program? I'm here to tell you that, but first, since this is our very first episode, I want to take a quick minute to help you get to learn a little bit more about me since I'm going to be your host each week. My name is Susan Freed, and I'm a healthcare attorney based in Des Moines, Iowa. I work with all types of healthcare providers of various sizes, but because I'm in Iowa, I work with a lot of small and rural providers. Helping these providers excel is actually something I'm also really passionate about because I grew up in rural Iowa and my parents still live there. It's really important to me, like I know it is to so many families, that they have access to high quality care in their local community. Compliance plays a big role in that since non-compliance can have devastating effects, right? It can Uh, jeopardize patient safety, it can create bad outcomes, and also it can damage the health of the organization through large financial penalties and just consuming lots of resources to correct or uh, to respond to non-compliance investigations. My small and rural clients, though, often don't have the same level of resources to dedicate to compliance that larger organizations do but yet they still have to comply with most of the same rules. Oftentimes my small clients have a compliance officer, but it's one of many titles that person holds and sometimes it's not their primary responsibility. When we're talking about an industry as highly regulated as healthcare, where the stakes are so high, compliance can seem overwhelming even if you have unlimited resources at your disposal. That's why we're doing this podcast. We know that you probably don't have unlimited resources, and we know that compliance is only getting more difficult as healthcare gets more complex. We created this podcast to be an additional resource for you, to help simplify complicated rules, to share experiences, to give you ideas on how to make your compliance programs more effective, and to just be a place where you can go to get more information on topics that you want to learn more about. My greatest hope for this podcast is that it's helpful to you and hopefully makes your job a little bit easier. With that in mind, let's get right to today's topic. I told you at the top of the show that there's one thing that can really make or break the success of your compliance program. I'm talking about your organization's culture. Now, this week's blog on our website goes into more detail about what your organization organizational culture is and why it's important. But I think a really good way to illustrate this point for you is to share a story with you. 
years ago, there was a business who seemed to have everything going for them. They had a really unique service offering and they didn't have a lot of competition in their service area. So there was a high demand for their service and they had a high degree of customer loyalty. So they became very successful very quickly and they grew pretty fast. Then one morning, the owners came to work and they were served with the government subpoena. That was followed by another subpoena and eventually they were alerted that they'd become the target of a government investigation. That government investigation ultimately cost them well over seven figures in legal fees and penalties and ultimately they were forced to sell their business. Now you're probably thinking, what law did they break? Well, it's not the regulatory requirement that's interesting about this case. It's how it got to this level when the business was trying to do everything right. And they actually had dedicated a lot of resources to compliance to try to make sure that happened. Their leadership was compliance minded. They had compliance policies in place to ensure they followed regulatory requirements. And their staff received a lot of training, both from inside and outside the company. So it wasn't a situation where they just had internal trainings where potentially maybe some of the training was off. They actually did send their employees to outside external training so they could get uh, information from the outside as well. What ultimately did them in, though, was their culture. Their leadership, while themselves were very compliance-minded, hadn't created a compliance culture that really permeated throughout all levels of the organization. Much of the success of your compliance program and whether it's going to be effective or not depends on your culture and whether you have what I'm referring to as a, quote, compliance culture. Now, what do I mean by that? Providers that have a compliance culture, they really make compliance a number one priority in tandem with their mission. So the two are really inextricably linked, right? Compliance is going to be mission critical so that everyone in the organization knows we're not going to sacrifice compliance to achieve another goal. What I am not talking about is being conservative in how you approach compliance issues, right? So there are a lot of gray areas in healthcare and minds can differ on whether something is legal or compliant or not. I'm not talking about always taking a very conservative approach or stance to every issue and and not doing things unless it's very specifically authorized, right? What I'm talking about is that employees know and really believe that leadership is prioritizing compliance and compliance is an expectation of everyone within the company. It becomes an integral part of the provider's business from the top down. So employees are going to know management wants them to prioritize compliance. They know and they understand how they report non-compliance. They understand what compliance means for their role within the organization and how they're supposed to act. The mistake the business in my story made is that they assumed they'd created this culture They knew that they had the right policies in place and that they were compliance minded. They trained on those policies. They didn't ignore or condone noncompliance. 
They assume that if employees were presented with a situation that didn't fit within one of their policies, or maybe if they had questions, it was a gray area. They just assume that employees would ask. They thought that they the employees would go to leadership for guidance. They also assumed that if employees saw noncompliance or something they questioned as being within their policies or not, they assumed those employees would report their concerns and knew who to report those concerns to. Unfortunately, when presented with those situations, multiple employees in their company did not act the way leadership assumed they would. The reason for that is, you guessed it, they didn't have a compliance culture. Their culture made pleasing the customer and customer satisfaction the number one priority. Now, we'll talk a lot on this podcast about how you create a compliance culture that's pervasive throughout your organization. Having a customer satisfaction priority or your goal being to please the customer, that probably sounds like a good priority to have. And it is a good goal and a good priority that every business should have, but it can't come at the expense of compliance. What happened in this business's case is that they put a lot of um, importance on customer satisfaction and financial results to the point where employees outside of leadership, so that middle management tier and below, thought that that was the priority over compliance, right? So that they were under the impression that the company was willing to sacrifice compliance to make the customer happy. What happened in this business's case is that the noncompliance issue that they um, were investigated for resulted from something one of their customers asked two employees to do for them. Now, the request from the customer wasn't blatantly illegal. It wasn't something like embezzle money for us or bill for services you didn't render, right? So it wasn't something that you know was obviously illegal. But it was something that was completely outside their policies and protocols, and the employees knew that. So the employees knew, hey, this is not how we're supposed to handle this situation, and it doesn't follow the prescribed protocol that are in our policies that we've been trained on, that we've heard is important. So it was outside of that protocol. Instead of going to leadership and saying, hey, the customer really wants us to do this. Can we find a way in which to, you know, make this request happen? Instead of doing that, they just did it. So they didn't reach out to anyone for guidance or for assistance. They just went ahead and honored the customer's request. That customer ended up being so happy and pleased with the outcome that the employees ended up replicating it for more customers. Now, over time, other employees became aware of what was happening and they did raise questions amongst themselves and with mid-level management. So they did go to people that were directly above them in the hierarchy and said, hey, we're not sure that this should be happening, right? That we should be doing it this way. 
The problem was mid-level management saw how successful these employees were, how happy with them leadership was. They were sort of held out within the company as success stories. And so mid-level management rolled their eyes basically and said, yeah, we agree it doesn't conform to our policies, but we don't think there's really anything we can do about it. The other employees that had reported their concern became very disenfranchised with the company, and eventually one of them took his concern to regulators, and ultimately that's what launched the investigation. This is a classic example of how your culture influences the thoughts and behaviors of your employees and why having that compliance-minded culture is really vital to the success of your compliance program. Had my client created a compliance culture, it's much more likely that when those first two employees were presented with the customer request, that they would have gone to leadership and said, hey, can we make this request happen? They would have recognized it's outside the policies. We haven't done it this way before. Leadership wants us to prioritize compliance. It's important. We don't want to sacrifice that or take a chance of, of uh, getting in trouble. We need to ask for assistance. It's much more likely that would have happened but even if it hadn't, it's much more likely that when the other employees witnessed it, that they would have known exactly where to go with their concerns. And it's much more likely that when a concern was brought to that mid-level management, they would have known, hey, we've got to escalate this. This is something important. Had they created this compliance culture throughout the organization, it's much more likely the issue could have been avoided entirely or identified earlier, self-reported, and self-corrected. Hopefully you can see by this example how their culture of making customers satisfied was the number one priority and how that message had kind of been communicated throughout the organization, how that led to individuals seeing non-compliance but thinking, hey, we're just going to have to let that go because having these really satisfied, highly loyal customers is more important. Hopefully you can also see how damaging that was to the compliance program. So the compliance officer and the compliance department in this business, they were doing everything right from their perspective, right? They made sure they had the right policies in place. They made sure that they were that they were training everyone on them. They even sent employees outside the organization for more training. They dedicated a lot of resources to compliance issues. All of that work, however, ultimately did not help in the long run because the employees didn't prioritize compliance, didn't think compliance was a priority, thought it was something they could sacrifice to please the customer. Many providers, like the business in this example, think they have a compliance culture and they don't realize they're wrong until it's too late, until they have a situation like this where employees act completely differently than how they assumed that they would. You might have a sense or an intuition, right, about whether you have a compliance culture in your organization or not, but since you can't get into the minds of your employees, you really aren't going to know unless you ask them. That's why our tip this week is this. Survey your staff to find out if you have a compliance culture. 
By asking employees a few targeted questions, you can get a better sense of whether your culture is advancing or sabotaging your compliance program. So right from the get-go, some of you may be a little uncomfortable with this tip. You may think, I really don't want to go out and ask the employees these questions because what if I get really bad responses? <laughs> well, we want to know that, right? So worst case scenario, you never know and you don't have a compliance culture. The only way you can know how you're doing in this regard is to really ask the employees. That's really the only way to figure this out. Again, as you could see from the example, dedicating a lot of resources to compliance, having policies and training in place itself is not enough. We need to figure out are we effectively communicating this message? Have we established compliance as a top priority in tandem with our mission? And again, the only way to really know that for sure is to ask your employees. So when creating this survey, there's a few key things I want you to keep in mind. First, it's really important that it's confidential and anonymous. So don't ask the respondents for their name. Don't even give them the opportunity to put their name down. If you're a small provider, you probably also don't want to ask them which department they're in or what location they're at because that could give away who they are. If you're a larger organization, by all means, ask about the department or their location because depending on the answers that you get, it could kind of help you see where maybe within the organization you have an issue. There are a variety of online tools that you can use to help you keep this anonymous. You know, there's Survey, Monkey, Google has a has a tool. Work with your IT folks to make this work for you, um, but make sure it's anonymous. Second, it's really important that you ask everyone to participate. So compliance isn't isolated to just certain departments and roles, right? Everyone has a role to play in compliance. So it's really important that you ask everyone to participate. Third, to maximize participation, I would recommend that you keep it simple. So we're gonna get more participation and better meaning, more meaningful responses if we keep the survey short. So I think you can accomplish this goal with just asking four or five pretty simple yes or no questions. To make this tip even more helpful for you, we've created a sample survey available on our website. There's also a link to it in the show notes. You'll see that I just asked four questions really designed to figure out if the employee believes the organization prioritizes compliance, understands their role in compliance, whether they know how to anonymously report compliance concerns, and whether they believe that if those concerns are reported, that they'll be appropriately dealt with. You'll also see that I put a don't know option. So employees can either say yes, no, or don't know. Don't know is important because that, you know, that's just as bad as a no response. If they don't know who to anonymously report to, then your anonymous reporting policy is not going to be very effective. So give them those three options. We're obviously aiming for yeses. We want a very high percentage of yeses on these questions. A no or a don't know signals that you have more work to do. 
You'll also see I gave them a space to give additional feedback. So this is where we're hoping that you get feedback. It's not going to be required, right? Because we want, we really want to know, yes, no, don't know. But the additional feedback will give you more insight into what the issue is uh, with that particular response. So giving them that opportunity, I think, is great because that will be really, really helpful to you when you're analyzing these responses. But we don't want to require it, again, because we're hoping to maximize participation. Then you'll see that I ended with an open invitation for them to report compliance concerns. You're going to hear me talk a lot on this podcast about how important it is for us to find non-compliance within our own organizations. Again, you can't be everywhere all the time, right? And so you're not going to know a lot of times if there's a compliance issue happening. You're going to be dependent on others to tell you about it or find it. So we really want to encourage reporting of compliance concerns because we want to find these issues when they're small before they become a big issue like in this uh, example I gave you, right? The way to do that is to make sure employees understand and have plenty of opportunities to tell you about compliance issues. So since we're having this anonymous survey that we're putting out to all employees, this is just a really great opportunity to give them a chance to tell you if they think there's a compliance problem. So I didn't want to pass up the chance to ask them and give them a really simple way to make a report. So that's why the survey ends with giving them this open invitation to report a compliance concern. Obviously, if someone does report a compliance concern, you would want to handle it like you would handle any anonymous compliance report. It's going to just going to be routed. Maybe that's the compliance officer who reviews these. It's going to be routed to see, does this have merit? If it has merit, then it should be investigated. And again, you should follow your normal policies. Again, a copy of this sample survey is available on our website. The link is in the show notes. Once you get the survey results, you can aggregate them, right? And look to see how your percentages are on each of the questions. Obviously, we are aiming for a high percentage of yeses. I would really want to see, if I was your lawyer, I would want to see 90% or above. Anything below that, I would say, hey, we've got some work to do, right? So what do you do if you're not getting that high percentage of yeses? Don't panic, right? This is not an insurmountable task. Yes, culture is sort of an elusive concept, but there are things you can do over time to send the message that compliance is a top priority. We'll talk a lot on this podcast about ways you can do that. But again, you're not going to know if you have this problem or not unless you ask the employees. When you look at the responses, you'll be able to see, hey, what questions did we do well on? Where you know, did we do poorly? You'll also be able to see if there's any patterns. So if you're a larger organization and you ask them to put their department down, maybe there are some issues isolated to certain departments. So that will sort of help you come up with strategies uh, to fix this issue and maybe through messaging or activities that you do throughout the organization, you can help boost your scores for the next time you do this survey. I would definitely recommend you repeat the survey. I wouldn't do it more than 
than once per year, but I would consider it doing it doing it annually or maybe every 18 to 24 months um, just to make sure that you're keeping tabs on how you're doing and creating this compliance type culture. Finally, one last piece of advice. I would never recommend that the compliance officer go rogue and do this on their own without notifying and involving senior leadership team, um, your owners, whomever that is in your organization in this decision. So definitely you wanna take us the survey that you wanna utilize um, to your leadership team to say, hey, here's what I'd like to do and why and get their support before you proceed. That's this week's tip. Give employees an anonymous survey to help determine whether you have a compliance culture. Get the sample survey on our website, thehealthcarecompliancepod.com. That wraps this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast either on our website, thehealthcarecompliancepod.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with me via the website or on social media. Remember, compliance doesn't have to be complicated or costly, but it does have to be consistent. I'll be here next week, and I hope you will too.